Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, where we go back to the past and read some DC comics from their yesteryear of publishing. You can hear us every week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast, and this week we have a real special one for you, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be real busy this weekend, and I could not record a very long uh, Judas Contract level Cosmic Treadmill this week. And the uh, listeners release a collective sigh. Exactly. Oh, are we going to get out of this? Under like <laughs> maybe maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. Come on, please. Well, we'll see what we can do. Uh, this one is Sugar and Spike, number 97, from September 1971. This was written and drawn by Sheldon Mayer, who wrote and drew the entire series, folks. Uh, what, would I, what would you say if I told you that the gurgling and cooing made by babies is actually a fully coherent language, known only to infants under the age of three? What's that? You'd believe me? Well, what would you say if I told you I had a nice bridge to sell you? It spans the East River in New York, and it's a little over 100 years old. In good condition, but I'll cut you a break. There's more than you'll, That's more than you'll get from this issue of Sugar and Spike, which doesn't let up on the side-splitting humor quips and rib-tickling comedy jokes. You'll laugh until you shit yourself when we dive into Sugar and Spike issue number 97. And, uh, for, of course, uh, as is our way, we're going to talk a little bit about Sheldon Mayer. This guy really is one of the uh, building blocks of comic books. Certainly. Um, he was born on April Fool's Day in 1917. He died December 21, 1991. Uh, he began his career working for several juvenile print shops, eventually becoming a film opaker for Fleischer Studios in 1934. Back then, they would have been doing Betty Boop and maybe Out of the Inkwell, uh, probably, maybe not, maybe Popeye by then, probably, yeah. Later on they would do Superman cartoons, but that's a, a story for another day. Eventually he landed a job doing paste-ups for National Allied Publications in 1935. This was Major Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson's first publishing company that would sort of fold into D.C. later on down the line after it became just national. Uh, these are literally some of the first ever comic strips, the reprints of Sunday newspaper comics that at first were given out free, uh, to Woolworth, um, mm-hmm. and the reason that they were reprinting Sunday newspaper comics was because they're for color. So obviously, that's the one that you want to do if you want to sell or you want to make a little book out of them. Mayor, he eventually got a job with a uh, Max Gaines outfit, All American Comics, in uh, 1936, which means that because uh, he he could have worked on more fun number one, right? He could have been, uh, probably not number one. Because I think that one came out in 35. I even I even okay. had a little back and forth with myself right here, as you see. <laughs> but he definitely could have worked on the next issues and definitely would have worked on the very first uh, comics the first with, with new them. material. Yeah. yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, while he was working for All-American, he, uh, he does illustrations and house ads for Dell. Uh, he created a semi-autobiographical comic uh, <laughs> called Scribbly for Dell in 1936. And uh, he's the one who takes Siegel and Schuster's Superman pitch to Harry Donenfeld uh, because he liked it so much in uh, in 1938. Yeah, this is a little bit so, of a, a little bit of a story, you know what I mean? It, who knows how true it is? But apparently, sure. he kept seeing it on the reject reject pile over and over, and he kept putting it back in their inbox, and eventually took it straight to Harry, and the rest is history. 
It is. Um, now, All American officially merged with, with National in 1939, and that's when uh, that's when Gaines leaves to do his uh, his Bible stories. Is he didn't do classics illustrated, but more uh, yeah. educational comics. I mean, that that was the name of his company. Exactly. Uh, uh, Maya becomes the first editor of the All American division, and uh, he retires from editing in 1943 to devote himself to full time cartooning. Yeah, a very young guy to be an, an editor of an entire sure. comic line, so I could see why he was like enough already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little too little too uh, young for this stuff. I want to be more creative. So he did a lot of humor work for National during this time, uh, mostly humor work in his life. Actually, he did Funny Stuff, which was a Funny Animals comic that I think even ran up until the early '60s, and I used to see uh, Blue Ribbon Digest for that. Leave it to Binky. Which eventually merged into morphed into Binky and his buddies later on. That was a total Archie ripoff. Uh, Scribbly became a DC title. Scribbly actually was in uh, the Convergence title last year with really the Freedom Fighters and whoever whoever the hell they fought. Okay. Um, yeah, they, he sort of gets folded in because because Ma Hunkle, the Red Tornado, the, Red Tornado. the original yeah. one. That's his character. That's actually from Scribbly. Uh, okay. I, I recommend people look that up. I don't. I don't. Never heard of a of a compilation of Scribbly out there. There probably has to be something, but it, it really is a good fun and it really shows his work a lot better than his next, but much more remembered title, Familiar, Sugar and Spike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one came out nineteen. The first one came out April nineteen fifty six. It was based on Sheldon's own children, Merrily and Lenny. Uh, the premise of it is baby talk is an actually rich language that only babies can understand, and it turns out to be. Babies of every species, as we find out in other comics. I told Chris about one where they speak to a baby lobster. The application is that neighboring babies Sugar Plum and Cecil Spike Wilson get into all kinds of hijinks in their futile attempts to grasp the adult world. There are some other babies in the series. I'm not, we don't see, oh, we do see one of them here. Uh, little yep. Arthur, who's a neighborhood dickhead, he's a little older. He actually doesn't know baby talk anymore. Because he's a Confederate uh, soldier. Yeah, he's he's the guy in the, in the pogo stick later on. Ugh. Uh, Bernie, the, Bernie the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie the brain, child genius. Uh, he supplies gadgets for even more wacky times later. There's all kinds of, or earlier actually. Uh, there's all kinds of nonsense that they get into doing. Uh, and Raymond, who is in this issue, and I've never heard of him before, but he is. A little child uh, who also speaks baby talk that only yeah. babies can understand, and he, he's going to have a little adventure later on. Yeah, now moving on to the issue itself, we got to start with the cover. I reviewed this for my site a few uh, last month, and I was actually worried that someone would be offended by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the world we live in You now. see a little baby uh, tush on the cover. You see a little baby butt. Yes, uh, Sugar, is. Uh, she's doing her, her best copper tone ad impression walking on the beach with her... Uh, with her bottom half, which is looks like it's a like her father's tie. Yeah, it really doesn't look like anything. <laughs> it doesn't look like a bathing suit. Uh, it doesn't look like a towel either. I don't know what what they had her wearing, but uh, yeah, she's walking bare-assed on the beach, and a bunch of adults are laughing at her. And Spike has his he's got his little hand over his mouth, like <gasps> yeah, he's a little shocked. But notice he's looking at the bikini bottom and not at her bottom. Because yes, this is Spike true. Is a gentleman, unlike he is a gentleman. Some of the folks on the beach. So you know that already tells you you're about to see something really racy inside. So are, are you looking at the cover right now? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking at it right okay, now. Okay, now look look at the person in the in the water. How, what way are they facing? Yeah, well, uh, the face seems to be coming like sort I, of. Yeah, I don't really know what's like going the on. The arm there. is different. The, like the, she's got her chest in her back. 
Yeah, it, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like the boobs. So she's supposed to be looking out onto the water, but she's turned her head almost you know, <laughs> to a freakish degree. She looks Yes, scary. and her arm is bent the other way. Yeah, something happened. Oh, something bizarre. went wrong there. Yeah, she might have a. She might need some help. Um, now, <laughs> the first story. This a uh, this issue features a, a handful of a short stories. Yeah. Here. The first one is Sugar and Spike in Who's Sorry Now, and we open up with a uh, poor Spike standing in the corner, which is basically hard time in their world. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sugar, uh, she pops her head in the window and asks what the what she calls she calls Spike Doll Boy a lot. Mm-hmm. So she uh, asks him what what he's doing. What what did he do? What do I? Why is he why is he doing the hard time there? And uh, he thinks that uh, it's because he what was it here? He they thought that he tore the phone book or something. They, uh, but it was really the cat who did it. Now Sugar she uh, had a discovery at her own house, and uh, realized that she knows a way to get out of any trouble that she might get herself into. And she demonstrates by pulling a plate off the dinner table by yanking the tablecloth. What a <laughs> fucking is, asshole, you know? I mean, just say it. Move. Just say the thing that you learned, you know what I mean? Do you have to well, she'd like. She'd rather things. show, not tell. I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then she starts She starts climbing the curtains like she's a cat. Yeah. And uh, and outside you see uh, Spike's mother, uh, who we don't see her face until later. No. Um, she's, uh, she's doing the laundry, hanging it up on the line. You know, but as yeah. far as the faces, as you pointed out, you know, we, we later on we do see some adult faces. You know, Sheldon Mayer wrote, I mean, drew all of these. So mm. I guess he just went in and out of thinking it was a good idea and not. Maybe for certain stories he thought, I have it no seems, idea. But. It seems very pointed, like, because they, because, I mean, her face is behind the uh, sheet. So yeah. it's like, okay, clearly they're hiding it. He purposely makes a silhouette, and it, re- and it really, you know, it does that Muppet Babies thing where you're just seeing limbs, you know, instead of Yeah, you of just see person. the socks, yeah. <laughs> and, that's a, and that's supposed to be, you know, more of a baby's point of view, but... Uh, yeah, it doesn't, you know, I, it, later on we do see the face, so who knows, maybe uh, yeah. maybe he forgot, you know, he was not a young, not a spring chicken by this point. No. Um, so should they come in, and it's actually a pretty cute picture of uh, Sugar sitting in a pile of junk, the Venetian blinds, the curtains, <laughs> everything, a lamp is just on the floor around her, uh, she's just loving life, um, Spike's mom is like, eek, Sugar, and Sugar says, I saw we... And all is forgiven when they find out that she can speak and be besides speak, but speak so imperfectly. Everyone's uh, or her Spike's mom is just tickled pink, picks her up, so giving her a big hug, and she gets out of it. So Spike asks Sugar, "What does Isawi mean?" And she says she she thinks it means the cat did it. And right here we reveal the antagonistic relationship between cats and infants, for both have roughly the same strength and are prone to similar mischiefs. But of course, only one can be guilty of a given transgression. This story implies that Sugar and Spike have been prosecuted for crimes committed by the cat, for example, Spike in the beginning of the story, and perhaps in the reverse, since neither accused party can verbalize their own innocence. So this is a very deep change. It's very yeah. Uh, you know, the, a, very, a change in the, in the structure, in the infant feline structure going on in the house with this new revelation of the phrase, I saw we. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sugar realizes that Isawi is a license to just go berserk, you know, and she Break immediately, I, she, she immediately, she, she, she puts a chair up against the counter and immediately goes for the jam jar, the raspberry jam, you know, she knows exactly where it is, but uh, Sugar, uh, Spike's having a little crisis of conscience here, he thinks about the cat who's being convicted of a crime that, uh, you know, that he hasn't committed, and as he understands it, will probably be skinned several times. 
because uh, <laughs> as I, I think I've heard, there's more than one way to do it. Uh, yes. Then Sugar starts to feel a little bit guilty, and then she reacts to feeling that way, the way my wife reacts to feeling guilty, which is to beat Spike up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a cacophonous crash outside. Yes, their their attention is drawn to the uh, to a odd nerdy man who uh, ran into their fence with his gaw, mm-hmm. and uh, he agrees to pay pay for damages. He's uh, you know he's okay with it. I I don't know how he just. I guess that fence just came out of nowhere, so he uh, yeah really he came in. <laughs> I mean, he, he he must be drunk. He he's got to be. What, what he's else? Be. What could be the other you know option? What happened that made you hop the fucking curb and bang into the fence <laughs> into someone's like, backyard? You're right there. You know, you sure you don't want to hand over the keys? Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. But he uh, you know, he's he's very apologetic, so much so that he says, "I'm sorry." Which causes young Sugar and young Spike to absolutely lose their minds because they think he's blaming the cat, and they know a cat can't drive a car. Yeah. And you know, like the kids are—they're pulling on his pant leg. They don't want him to leave, uh, but he does because he's an adult and he can do that kind he's of thing. Pretty much do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kids still protesting, and they—they uh, they decide that they're—they're going to—they're going to dish out some infant justice. And so they—they—they <laughs> they, they roll the guy. They—they they push a wagon into his back, and they—they—they they, they run him into a wall. Yeah. Yeah, then an, an officer comes around and he sees this poor this poor old man being held up by these babies, takes him back to his mother's house and uh, and they would try they find out that they were trying to make this old man stand in the corner for for his sins. And the cat later yes. does 25 years for arson and attempted murder, but they don't they don't show you that. You must not have that part in your. No, that was torn out. Yeah, that was probably torn out. (laughs) That was torn out along with the next several pages. You see, my copy goes from page number 6 to page number 11 because there were some pint-sized pinups included this issue. These are uh, clothing designs. Uh, We figure they're probably sent in by readers around the world. uh, They can be clipped out and, uh, you know, like just paper dolls. They got the little tabs that you can fold over the the little figurine or the little cutout figures. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, it's. <laughs> we were talking about this a little off the air. I mean, how sad. This really, I got you know, when I really thought about the child playing with this thing, how sad it really was. It's heartbreaking. It really. I mean, it, if I, I can't, I can't live in a world where this would be a child's, you know, main toy. It really just is is breaking my heart. It's really and, cheap as hell. And I gotta wonder if they included these every issue to where like a kid would have a collection. This was a thing. You know, this, this was almost every issue. You know, a lot of padding like this. And then I guess kids were always sending in these splendid, ugly-ass outfits, you know. But, yeah, it's just like, oh, man, do you, they really want you to cut this crap out and play with it like this? What a horror show. So, uh, but, you know, there are, there are some nice outfits uh, on display here. And what if you have more than one kid in the family? I mean, who gets who gets the paper doll? I mean, well, luckily in this issue there's three paper dolls without this is true so you you can support three kids but one of them i guess that's the one you don't love if you have four kids they don't (laughs) they don't get this bite-sized pinup you know and as i pointed out here a family that has a child that needs to use one of these as a toy probably needs to use the rest of the comic for kindling so you're lucky to get (laughs) you're lucky to get the uh pint-sized pinups out of this thing you know what i mean you gotta you gotta fish this thing out out of the log pile you know what I mean? It's like all cord wood and fucking comic books and newspapers in that thing just to heat, keep the barrel heated. And and you figure on a cold winter's night, the, these pinups are going in too, oh, whether they're dressed or not. They, they don't give a crap. They'll put, they'll put them in naked and then put the clothes in one by one, you know. Uh, 
Or they could put a spike in his uh, his car because he he comes with a car. That is probably the best. I mean, that definitely makes that one the deluxe model. The fact that it's it a is. car and it's well, first there's a, there's a Roaring Twenties outfit uh, yes. with with a straw hat and kind of a a, a striped. Uh, jacket and I guess that and a ukulele for for goodness sake, mm-hmm. and that goes along with his jalopy that has some great things written on it, uh, very much in the tradition of Archie comics and mm-hmm. just as irrelevant in 1971, I must say. I mean, now we're talking about something that happened, you know, 50 years ago. Sure. Uh, sure. But some of my favorite phrases on that were, "Don't be a simp." Mm-hmm. What? No spinach? I don't know what the hell that means. What does, what does that, that even mean? Uh, and bucket of bolts. So I like bucket of bolts. Yeah. This I I wonder if that makes this one of the most coveted pinup pages because I don't know if he comes. Also, Spike comes with a pretty heavy duty fishing uh, accessory getup over there. You know, he's got a straw hat and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much as deluxe as it gets. And he's bow legged as anything in this. They're all bow-legged. This is this is the way Mayer draws infants. But yeah, this this kid almost looks like he has club feet. He does. He's in bad shape. You know, it's it's not easy, man. You know, this is in the days before we had uh, vitamin D fortified milk. <laughs> I've never seen Louis Anderson look this bad. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like little a little baby Louis. Oh man. All right. Well, we're gonna now we're gonna go on to the next story. This is actually takes us away from Sugar and Spike proper. This is about Raymond and the Angel. I never heard of this character before. This is a a, a black child of a black family that uh, presumably grows up in well, it seems like the same exact type of place Sugar and Spike grow up, frankly. But uh, yeah. Um, same shtick. He spe- He's an infant. He speaks infant baby talk. They can understand him. So, uh, Ali, the prospective baseball legend, is made to watch his infant brother, Raymond, and he takes him along to the baseball field. Uh, Raymond is very happy about this, as we see in some thought bubbles. Uh, mm-hmm. I also love how Ali's dressed here. He looks like a, a, a baseball player from the 19th century. You know, he's got, like, these baggy, billowy pants cinched up at the knees with these tall socks and, like, a low-slung six-panel baseball cap. I have to, If he had a handlebar mustache... He would uh, really round out the look. And he, he hasn't, to be fair, he, ha- he hasn't met Fat Albert yet. No, that's true. This would have been before <laughs> Fat Albert, so he doesn't. He looks like one of those, uh, he looks like Mushmouth a little bit. A little bit, you know what I mean? I wonder if this was uh, there was any inspiration taken from this, but this would have preceded a lot of that. And frankly, probably would have preceded... Uh, many, you know, black characters in comics that we take for granted Probably, today. yep. But, um... I, this is, you know, obviously is not the first black character, and we're not. I'm not trying to say that. Um, so anyway, once he gets to the baseball field, he, he sticks Raymond in a playpen, which Raymond is like, oh, he gets a little deflated. A bluebird comes over and just uh, takes a piece of thread from Raymond's jumper and flies away. I mean, this is like one of the most neglected kids, I think, now, probably. You know, what you're seeing here is child abuse. Obviously, no one's paying attention. There's birds making nests in his lap, you know, a bear's going to come by and maul him. <laughs> Um, the the, uh, the scene where he's pulling that uh, thread. Yeah. Uh, that that's a little uh, disturbing. It could be dis- you could you could definitely see something there. That, you know, it looks like it's making a tent near the baby's crotch. crotch. Although because yeah. the baby's so bow-legged, it's really hard to say what part of the clothing that's coming from. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I'm not even sure he's facing forward. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not really sure what the hell's going on. You know, I, just, I think <laughs> the head might have flipped backward. But uh, the bird take, bird flies away, and Raymond is, uh, you know, very into that. He wants to fly away, so he tries to flap his arms and get away. But now with his flabby baby arms, he's not going anywhere, so he gives up and sucks his thumb. 
Now, meanwhile, in heaven, incompetent angel Henry is beginning his new job, having lost his old one to being a screw-up. Uh, you know, so this basically tells us it happens just another fucking boring ass job. Entity, yeah, yeah, it's just like you, can you fail know, your way up. And, and and you know, it's probably it seems like a union job where you never can really be fired. You'll just be transferred and demoted. You know what I mean? And like you're constantly you'll you'll have a place to work until eventually they got you like emptying ashtrays. Or I guess I don't know what the equivalent of that would be these days. So the, the poor lady that he reports is reporting to, she must have died young. She seems like it. She actually looks. She actually looks quite, uh, quite young and pretty. But you know, yeah. and, and she died young, and now she gets to be the administrator to Henry, the loser angel. It's like great, yes. great. Thanks God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you give me this glory. You know, Jesus. What, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean you know to complain. You can't say that, Jesus. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> he's given the job to file away a folder containing good luck. He has to file it under L for use later. So I assume it's it's filed under luck, comma good. Which would probably be so. after luck, comma bad, and luck, comma beer-induced perception of. And uh, <laughs> on the way to the filing cabinet, like, it's not even like 20 feet. You know what I mean? He's floating over yep. this cabinet. It's right there. Maybe it's 30 feet. You know, the, he does kind of lose this woman behind him. But he gets curious. He wants to see what good luck looks like. And it looks like a little pink cloud that he immediately drops. You know, I don't think he holds it for a split second, and it falls down to the earth. It's like cotton candy fluff. Yeah, it looks like a little piece of cotton candy. And it falls right on Raymond. The the, the, the scene before he catches it, it looks like he's being like a meteor is gonna hit him. And uh, you know he catches it because he's you know he wanted to play baseball anyway, so he catches it. And uh, it apparently it, you know it, it dissolves. Yeah. And suddenly he is endowed with uh, amazing powers. He, uh, he lifts the playpen. He lifts the uh, the cage part of the playpen out, and he's able to he's able to walk the field. Yes, the power, the, the lucky power of increasing yes. your strength by two. <laughs> and, he, uh, and you know he's uh, he's over by the baseball field where his brother Ollie is pitching, and uh, he's got this lucky ability ability to snag his brother's angrily thrown baseball cap. His uh, brother's a little annoyed. He chucks his baseball cap, mm. and he picks it up, and then he's able to luckily catch a fly ball with it, and uh, becomes a f- fully fledged member of this baseball team. Now, the other team tries to invoke the no more than nine on a side rule, but Ollie points out that neither side ever has any more than six. And uh, that <laughs> rule has probably not been invoked since 1888. I mean, come on, yes. what is, you know, talk about some old rules here. <laughs> and I like the note how you have here about uh, how it's a stock commentary on the low birth rates of the time. I know. I couldn't even fill out a baseball team. Nope, nope. You need to you need to bring a few neighborhoods together for that. <laughs> <laughs> now the other team agrees that Raymond can be on the team, uh, but now he's got a bat, just like everybody else. You know, he was he proved himself in the field, and now he's got a bat. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, <laughs> makes pretty good sense. You you chuck a ball as fast as you can at a. I don't even know how old this child is. Uh, Who's got to be under three, according to Sugar yeah, and Spike Law. So yes. yeah, like between two and three. Sure, I mean, sure. So Ollie is the worst babysitter you could possibly have for your child. You know, he's going to get his brother fucking killed. You do it wrong the first time, you never ask to do it again. Maybe <laughs> maybe he's he's aspiring to be like uh, Henry the Angel. Maybe. You know, he's just going to be a screw-up. And <laughs> You remember that time you got your brother killed on the baseball field? Oh, yeah, yeah, whoops. Um, sorry. <laughs> How many times do I have to apologize? <laughs> but, uh... Raymond is lucky, as he has been, and he uh, he takes the plate, and he luckily misunderstands the game of baseball in such a way that he luckily throws the bat 
which luckily strikes the ball, sending it luckily into the deep outfield. Yeah. Uh, luckily, Raymond runs around all the bases while trying to catch his own ball. Luckily, slamming into the catcher, blocking home plate, and luckily getting a home run. Just the amount they, of luck this kid has. I mean, take, get, get this kid to do a scratch-off already, you know? Come on, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, play the lotto already. Yeah. But, you, you know, and... No, they're not they're not really as shocked about this as uh, you would think they should be, considering that a one or two year old just just hit a home run. I know, I, you know, they should call MLB right now and be like, oh, yeah, we have a star player that you need to uh, mm-hmm. sign immediately because a two year old just hit a freaking home run. Yeah, either that or you send them for uh, you know PED testing. You know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Something get them get them get them on the uh, track to being a star athlete. Uh, sure. Back in heaven, Henry's getting chewed out by his both. Ah, yes, this is the glory of eternal life at God's side. Uh, <laughs> Henry says he lost the good luck, and uh, then it got used by a little kid. Now his boss wants a requisition. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it's like, oh, yes, come on, you know, you please, the glory of heaven where you have to fill out your applications in triplicate. The glory <laughs> of heavenly carbon paper. Uh, on earth, though, a requisition known as a player. Uh, a prayer, sorry, and a pink slip is known as a four-valve heart attack. Uh, <laughs> since the kid can't talk, Henry is screwed. He can't do anything about it. But just then, Raymond says some baby talk, and the word balloon floats up to heaven, where Henry and his boss see it. Uh, the implications of this are horrifying to me. Cause, so it's like, yeah. is everything we say on like visible display in heaven at all times? Is this just floating up every time I stub my toe? And say fuck every time we record this podcast. I mean, <laughs> we talk about clogging. You know, what I mean, the the place must look like a, a, a bad bar bathroom or something, just yep. covered in like curse words and epithets. Um, Henry doesn't know the language, so they run the word balloon through uh, the computer, which is it can do anything, I suppose, among other things, translate almost any language. And the computer identifies the language as baby talk and translates it to, I don't know how come I'm getting all this loving, but whatever it is. I sure am grateful. This is what uh, Raymond says. Mm-hmm. So this serves as a receipt, Chris. Uh, yes, and I like how it says it's from Raymond. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's part of the translation. You can, it, it, you can, the, the the computer somehow knows this. You know what I mean? This is a. I really like to know more about this computer more than Henry. Frankly, this is probably something uh, really powerful. But so your gratitude is just a you know your gratitude to to you know heavenly providence or whatever however you choose to per- perceive it mm. it's just a receipt that's all that's it. It, it's something that gets filed away for tax purposes you know that way later on when god gets audited and they're just like well what have you been up to god be like well i got all these receipts okay yeah <laughs> he's got, got a giant shoebox a in ton heaven. of people they go they go, i'm great they thank me all the time so back off no uh, i don't have to pay any income tax i but now what i don't get is so your gratitude after something happening is mm-hmm. is considered proof of a prayer that doesn't really come you know yeah the prayer is usually before it happens the prayer should be before something happens yeah. gratitude is sort of your your like, receipt uh, thank of you goods yeah, yeah thank you for it if you're just being thankful to god because good shit happens to you then you're just being an asshole that in that case can't churches pay us to go to church, right? That is that's a good idea. I mean, you know, we're we're not going there to 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 cleanse ourselves anymore. We're just going there to express our gratitude for the, our good fortune that that you know just happens to fall in our laps. You know what I mean? So, 
This and really, I gotta wonder, this is issue ninety-seven. You gotta figure that Spike or Sugar in the past twenty years had said they wished something would happen, yeah. or that they were thankful for something. And this is the first time they've ever seen any baby talk up in heaven. I know. Apparently, it never it hasn't come up before. You know, I guess uh, I guess they I guess they they treat the chatter of babies the way most of us do, which is to be severely annoyed by it. You know. Uh, yeah, this this whole thing has really shaken my my foundation. I really I'm really thinking of leaving the uh, snake handlers. So uh, later on, Henry, at Raymond's home, Henry floats in and kisses him while he sleeps with his baseball equipment. And the less said about that, the better. Uh, yes, after that, <laughs> we have a third page of pinups, Raymond's pint-sized pinups. And if you didn't have enough fun with those miserable sugar and spike paper dolls, here's another chance with a doll of Raymond. But mm-hmm. in this case, I really think they, they give this guy some shitty clothes. I mean, they got this, like, navy... A uh, blazer with a with a green plaid. Yeah, he's into golfing or something. Yeah. I mean, what is this? You know what I mean? They got they they have a full on uh, Indian chief get up a a, a, a whatever a, a buffalo headdress hide. and they yep. get a feathered headdress. Like what what's going on? What are you making one of the village people? This would have. Look at the I like the I like the hippie shirt above that. Which the one? Stripe the well, striped shirt pullover. Yeah, that vest with with the striped. Yeah, it's a, that whole that whole look. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, but I ah, just it's psychedelic. Though. I just feel like you know they really they really are giving this guy the uh, shitty clothing stick over here. So I gotta say, uh, you know these are all sent in by people around the world. So for that uh, Native American headdress shit, fuck you, Henry Warren of Utica, New York, you racist prick. Age ten. Yeah. Well, at, <laughs> at the time. <laughs> At the time, maybe. <laughs> Next up, uh, like we said, there's a there's a lot of filler in this, and uh, one of one of which is uh, it's actually advertised on the cover. It says here, win ten dollars, write your own comic page, and sure as hell, you can write your own comic page here. My copy, which I picked up at a used bookstore a few months ago, it was lucky enough it was filled up, filled out by its previous owner. They unfortunately they didn't they never sent it in and they didn't include their name so we can't follow up. So yeah, they didn't get ten bucks out of this. <laughs> and you know, like a, I don't I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but a lot of these stories have uh, after they're finished, there's a note saying that this story is for such and such child. So uh, we gotta wonder if these little ideas are coming from these pages. Yeah. Which is uh, it's pretty cheap. Yeah. He's not <laughs> even writing anymore. Sheldon Mayer's just like, ah, eh, the kids will give me ideas, whatever. They know what they like. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have the uh, the kids making their uh, their ten dollar bill, and their uh, and Sheldon gets a he gets a story. Let's see here. We got it's a one, two, three, four. It's a six panel special here. Uh, first one here. We have Spike beating a big marching drum. Uh, the next page, Sugar ain't pleased about it. No. Uh, the next the next panel here, Sugar shows him her dolly in the baby buggy, probably, you know, trying to tell him that baby's trying to sleep. Stop making noise, jerk. Yeah. Uh, next panel, Sugar is, ex- uh, well, yeah, that's that one. She's explaining that he's a, she's sleeping. He's got a, she's got one finger over her mouth as if she's shushing him. Mm-hmm. Next panel here, Spike's walking away. He's he's angry yet determined, and he's dragging the, uh, dragging the drum behind him. And the last one, uh, Spike, with... Either buck teeth or his tongue sticking out is uh he's beating a pillow with a drumstick while Sugar watches on like what is this kid doing? Yeah, she just looks kind of like nonplussed about it. She doesn't seem like angry or happy. She's just sort of 
confused. Which is which is odd because she's usually very angry all yeah. the time. I would think she would just come over and punch him in the face. I mean, that's usually what she does. <laughs> that's what she does. Yeah, she would jump on him and start beating him up about the head and shoulders. Yeah, I but, guess. Uh, I guess maybe in that last panel, you can have her saying, "How considerate." That's that. I think that works. Except the 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 kid who filled mine out. It's a question mark exclamation point question mark exclamation point question mark. So basically, the little kid version of a curse word. Yeah. While while. Uh, well, I was going to call him Stanley. This isn't Stanley and his monster. This is no. <laughs> He says, if, if better. I-S-T-H, I-S, better. Well, now, we don't want to give that all away. You all have your chance to look at that later on. <laughs> <laughs> the Jesus. The extra comic that Chris received for his loss yes. of whatever pages were ripped out. Um, <laughs> now we go to the next uh, story, the mystery of the bouncing stick. So Spike sees Arthur, that's the older boy I told you about before. He's the neighborhood older boy, bully. He's uh, In this case, he's sort of bullyish. Uh, he's hopping around on the pogo stick. And I, I swear, in this one, his hat is red. Uh, it's yeah. not always, though. And I've seen ones where it's sort of the whole, the whole outfit's sort of a grayish purple. And I swear it's a Confederate soldier's uniform. I don't know. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but that's always what I thought it was. And this one is the first time I saw his hat being red. Mm-hmm. Um his mom got him the pogo stick to cure his overactive fibbing imagination. That's part of his uh, hallmarks, is that he's always lying. Spike is interested in the pogo stick, so Arthur leaves it up against a tree and hides in some bushes. And immediately, Spike injures himself with the pogo stick, as you might imagine a two-year-old baby would do if you gave him a spring-loaded you know, device. Uh, so, you know, anybody watching the kids here? Anywhere? No? Uh, nope, no one's around. Sugar comes what? along with her baby carriage and uh, sees Arthur in the bushes, and Sugar approaches Spike and asks him what he's doing. Uh, he, and he says, I'm trying to figure out Arthur's pogo stick before he gets back. Hurry up, i got to figure it out. Uh, Sugar says, Arthur's just on the other side of these bushes. I just saw him. So at first Spike is like, I can't believe Arthur didn't just you know pound the crap out of me. But then they realize that this is a prank by Arthur to get Spike to... They call it damage himself, which I think is a he weird... Crack, he nearly cracks his head open. I mean, that's an, I mean, this kid could kill himself <laughs> over here, you know I mean? This could really be majorly, or like, really, you know, break an arm. I could definitely sure. see a lot of horrible things happening. Uh, but they call it damage himself. Like, what is he, like Johnny Five from Short Circuit or something, you know what I mean? Oh, damage does not compute. Um, <laughs> so, you know, no adults. No one. No one's there. Uh, so then Sugar and Spike press the pogo stick up against a, a fence, sort of like the uh, jumpy part first, and uh, make it ricochet back towards Arthur, and then he's screaming that his pogo stick is chasing him, while inside his mother, who's talking to someone on the phone, or no, she's talking to someone drinking coffee, mm. um, talks about his uh, Arthur just fibbing again. And I mean, chasing? This thing, I mean, how how far did this thing go after him? It was what was it a split second? This kid really it was, needs it. I think it was six miles. You think so? He chased it, chased him into the next city. That was a hell of a pogo stick, you know. He really was like the atomic pogo stick. Anyway, <laughs> and thus concludes our vignette. Yes, and, and this one wasn't credited to any child, so this one's fresh from the mind of our man uh, Meyer here. In theory, in theory. <laughs> Allegedly, uh, the next story we have is the flashlight. Now, this story was written for Sharon Moore. Do you think it's Moore? 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 I don't know. Well, she was eight years old, and uh, 
we got to wonder if she's still reading or if uh, or, uh, <laughs> I wrote because I reviewed this one on the site. I'm like, I wonder if she ever Googles her name because <laughs> I hope she does. Um, Spike calls to Sugar, who's outside playing with her <laughs> stupid looking doll and her baby hair. This doll. Yeah, I know. This doll is almost as sad as the paper dolls. I, from I, this book. I wonder, it, I mean, the doll almost looks vaguely racist. I'm not sure. I didn't really want to go there with this, but I can't help but look at it and think that this sort of looks like a... Uh, Certain, you know, certain type of dolls I used to see prevalent in uh, the American South, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's goofy looking, that's for sure. Something's wrong it, with it. It is. It looks very demented. Um, now she uh, she hops up onto the window still to find out what's going on, and uh, you know, it's it, there were no parents around. <laughs> it can't be said enough. Because These kids just in and out of windows. I mean, for God's sake, this kid's going through a window. He's two years old. This is not the way life should be. This is not right. And this isn't the first time we've seen her do with this issue. No, that's like the way they, they get to, to each other's houses, by busting through the window. <laughs> now, uh, Spike's got a flashlight, and he tells her to step into the closet for a demonstration. Got to remind you that they're babies, so. <laughs> get your minds <laughs> out of the gutter, folks. Out of the gutter, out of the gutter. Now, inside the dogging closet, Spike flicks on the light, and they're both stunned. Because, you know, they're they're stupid babies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Now, Sugar can't see anything at first because the light is shining. It is. Spike is an idiot, and he's, uh, he's you know, glaring the light right into her eyes. And uh, they wind up, the gist of it is they see each other's shadows, you know, displayed on the wall, and they think that there are monsters in the closet because they're stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they rush out of the closet, and Spike wants to run away completely, and so Sugar grabs him by the straps of his little uh, overall jumper, and his pants come off. Whoa! Yeah, we're getting we're getting racy here. So he's right. running around. Okay. Uh, they're babies. They're babies. They are babies. They are babies. Um, now the two, uh, they you know they do like the whole cartoony thing where they just push a bunch of crap in front of the door, and like uh, lamps, furniture, you know, chairs. I don't know how two year olds are pushing a tenant table. I know this is some strong kids. Let me tell you. They are. Well, they did they did just nearly kill a guy with a pogo stick. So That's yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, now we see Spike's dad. We actually see him. Yeah, his face and everything. Yeah, he kind of looks like he's kind of Archie-ish. Mm-hmm. A little bit. He actually looks pretty um, young, though. Yeah, he doesn't look like a, an old coot and all. It looks like a young, oh. happening dude. Yeah. And uh, Spike's dad notices that his son is pantsless and puts the clothes back on him. And then he moves. The, he starts taking the furniture away from the, the uh, from the closet. Uh and as they're doing that, uh, Shook is saying, hey, maybe we could take your pants off again. All right, maybe that's that's a little uh, smudge, yeah. Yeah, luckily uh, luckily Spike's mom, who we actually see her face too, uh, luckily she's there. And <laughs> it's weird because sometimes it looks like these are thought balloons and sometimes it looks like they're actually spoken. And uh, in this one, it looks like they're spoken. Uh, and the mother <laughs> actually reacts to her thought. So she said, we could take your pants off again. Well, she's, mom, see, she's seeing it happen. So she's, <laughs> she's saying you're, you're none, none of, that. of that. Yeah, she's, so we could assume that she's reacting. She heard babies saying glick splittle glicksel as we see them as they do baby talk so they do i like yeah. to think it's still intact at the uh i hope so yeah i, I don't want to ruin the canon here <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> no. the two kids are dumped outside uh stanley get up uh, stanley again spike <laughs> gets back in and he bites his father in the leg uh right as he's removing a fish bowl complete with a fish from the pile uh, <laughs> Uh, Spike sits in the corner. Sugar sneaks in through the back window again, and they put stuff in front of the closet again. 
uh, Spike's dad comes in to remove the mess again, and uh, and he sees uh, Sugar yelling, and uh, he says, "But it's empty. We cleaned it out so I could build a new shelf in there. Remember, you know, there's nothing in there, so don't be freaking out." Uh, they decide uh, they decide to show the kids that the closet's empty. They open it up. They turn a light on, and uh, yeah, there's no monster in there. But I, I still I don't think they're buying it. Listen, I, I got to say, too, when I was a kid, I considered a light in the closet to be the height of luxury. I don't know what what kind of house you grew up in, but mine was too old for those kind of fancy yeah. modern shenanigans. And uh, I, I considered the ability to do that to be just like it was up there with like the push button phone, all kinds of uh, modern <laughs> adaptions of, of my youth. So this is really something to see in 1971. Goodness. Whew, what a life. I know it. That's amazing. He must be a, a a a tech magnet or something. Something He's like a, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, now uh, the kids say they're they're okay now. They're convinced. They're gonna go outside and play. Uh, but later, Spike's dad complains about his flashlight being thrown in the garbage as Sugar and Spike shake hands. Yeah. <laughs> Hope uh, you liked it, Sharon. And now we come to our final story of Sugar and Spike number ninety-seven, which is actually after the letters page, uh, which I thought, mm-hmm. thought was interesting, but. Nothing really wrong with it. Uh, this one's called Spike Discovers the Ocean. Sugar and Spike are with their respective parents at the beach. Sugar's excited to show a cranky Spike the water. He, he looks at it. He thinks it's nervous cotton. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty poor judgment skills, even for a two-year-old. But all right, whatever, you know. So Spike takes it to where he says the real water is, which is a water fountain that squirts her right in the face, and she drags him back to the shore by his ankles. I'm surprised she didn't, you know, punch him right dead in the face. I mean, she's yeah. she's beating the hell out of him for much smaller transgressions. Um, so Sugar has Spike stand with his back to the water, and then grabs a pail full of it and dumps it over his head, and Spike's amazed it is water. And no one's... No parents are there immediately. Like the babies are standing right at the water line, and no one yep. is, seems to be moving a muscle. But Spike's dad does come along. Uh, finally. Finally, you know, after I mean, the, the, the babies could have been long dead. I just want I just want to put that out there. That, that this this could have been already a you know fatal tragedy. Tragedy. So you know, um, they try to run away. I mean, Spike's dad's chasing. Again, we don't see uh, we don't see the dad's face again. Yeah, again, it seems to go the other. Now we go back where the adults are hidden, and later on we'll even see a scene uh, at the at the, on the beach, the sand that sort of go out of their way to hide the uh, mom's face too. But uh, I don't know what I really can't say. It seems to be a decision based on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sugar and Spike, they're running down the beach. Spike's dad's close behind. But then a wave comes and s- crashes on the toddlers and uh, basically drowns them briefly. Uh, Sugar thinks it's a great time. Spike is crying. He thinks the water's mad at him. It's on their side, meaning the parents' side, I guess, or all adults. Sugar says, you're just imagining things. Yeah, Sugar's showing a, an amazing amount of uh, rationale here. Yeah, well, you know, we kind of find out that she had an inside track later on. She was kind of playing it off true. like she was very brave, but... Uh-huh. Yes. Now, uh, Spike's dad, uh, he brings him back to the to the blanket where they were, where the family was hanging out to dry off, and he tells his wife that, that their son learned his lesson. But she's worried that they traumatized him, and he'll be afraid of water for the rest of his life. And she insists that Spike, he takes Spike back to the terrifying water to tell him that there's nothing to fear. And so, and this this is where I was talking about where they kind of hide her with an umbrella. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, you may not have seen, you know, they, it sort of cuts her off at the waist, you know, this umbrella. Yeah, we just see her lower half there. Yeah. Uh, Spike's dad hauls him back. Sugar explains that this is what she went through last week, and it's a lot of fun. 
Spike is reluctant to go back in the water, so Sugar calls him a sissy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, even though his balls haven't dropped yet, just really just grabbing him by the balls. Yeah, she she's she's not a nice girl. No. Uh, Sp- Spike's dad entices him with an inflatable seahorse uh, little raft there, um, drags him from the beach into the water, and uh, Spike doesn't notice. He's he's sitting on this uh, on this little uh, ring and he's having a good time. Comes to find out that he is floating in the water. He is double crossed. Mm. He falls off the seahorse and into the water, and uh, he doesn't drown. He, he just cries like a he cries like a baby would when they're thrown into the water. And just say, just right. say it like it is, Chris. He cries like a little bitch. Okay, he, he cries does. like a sissy. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Sugar was right the whole sissy. time. Yeah, Sugar told you. <laughs> no, on the way home, Spike ain't happy. He's he's pretty annoyed, uh, and he has vowed that if the water doesn't want to be friends with him, well, he's not going to be friends with it either. Mm. Uh, still later at home, Spike's folks are sitting at home. They're knitting and reading the paper, and uh, the pops reading the paper with that. That's the one with the big Superman comic strip on the back yeah, of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's and, kind of cool, it's like a big giant Sunday. Yeah, and and they notice that there that there's some <laughs> irreparable damage being done to their ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> there's a a big water stain in the in the corner of the ceiling. They run up and they find that Spike has overflowed the bathtub oh, in yeah. an attempt to make friends with the water. And, you know, maybe drown. Maybe. I mean, basically, the, the kid was up there long enough to fill a tub with water and get it all over the bathroom enough to form a drip in the living room. You're damn lucky the kid's not flying face down in the dam in the water. What is wrong with people? Watch your children, please. Could you just keep an eye on the kids for like 10 minutes? This would never be published today. Holy God. I mean, this is like the, the most most ignored children in America. So uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that actually concludes Sugar and Spike issue number 97, uh, which I thought was a lot of fun, frankly. Um, you know, it's, it was, yeah, we had our fun with it, but it yeah. was uh... it's a it's a silly comic. It's probably not meant for our, our age group, quite frankly. No, you know, I loved it as a little kid, but I was a, a little kid. But uh, you know, I tell you, it's uh, I I had more fun with this comic than some comics that I pay. You know, eight times as much for today. So <laughs> <laughs> take that. Take that uh, for what it's worth. So uh, this comic book ran bi-monthly from 1956 until issue 98. Uh, that was the issue right after this one in October 1971. That's a long yeah. run, man. You know what I mean? Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. As I mentioned before, Mayer died on December 21st, 1991. and 92, DC put out a Silver Age Classics reprint of Sugar and Spike number one. They had a bunch of reprints at the time. Uh, with, yeah. Remember that with the black border, and they'd have the original mm-hmm. comic on them. Um, but they they numbered it Sugar and Spike 99, thereby making this officially the entire Sugar and Spike run is 1 to 99. Yes. And, uh, you know, they do show up uh, every now and again. Uh, they had a small uh, cameo in a panel on Cri- in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, and they were, uh, they were a pair of uh, costume greeters at uh, the Funny Stuff theme park in an issue of the, um, I, I'm assuming this is the Bwahaha era yeah. of uh, Justice League International. This is actually right yeah. after, this is, this is even in the first issue where Superman uh, sort of joined up. As I okay, okay. Maybe, maybe so I'm is wrong. this uh, the Jurgens run? Yeah, this is the Jericho yeah, okay. runs, yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, first just or second after issue Giffen, of that. Yeah. Yeah, just after Giffen and DiMatteis left. Um and their but their only real appearance since uh, Sheldon Meyer's work here was uh one of your favorites. Oh. 
It's a it's a six issue reboot of uh, Sugar and Spike by Keith Giffen and uh, Bilkis Evely. That sounds good. Which is uh, boring and cruel. <laughs> it's a uh, it's part of the anthology uh, a book uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which is uh, from. Uh, from all appearances, is a pretty bad book on its own. It is. It's it's pretty much the old bait and switch, folks. They uh, you know sandwiched the Sugar and Spike comic in among other comics that had better potential, none of which are really that great, unfortunately. And uh, I won't go. I won't really go into it. I think it's a uh, it's really well drawn. I've been reviewing <laughs> it for the site, which is why I'm knowledgeable about it at all. Yeah. I think it's really well drawn. I really like the art style. I think it's very interesting. Don't know if I'd call it a superhero style, but I'd like to see more of it. But it's just like you know, total like Silver Age wank fest. You know, like oh, what's well, the 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 you know. What's the arcane Silver Age property of the week this week? So, mm-hmm. uh, and they're pretty, adults in it, right? They're adults, and the thing is, they have like kind of a detective agency sort of. A, they do odd jobs for superheroes, doing things that you can't ask U-Haul or whatever to do. Uh, Which isn't a horrible premise in itself, but the execution just isn't funny. It's supposed to be a funny book. Uh, Sugar is a horrible person. I mean, you know, she's a bitch in this comic. (laughs) God, she's just, uh, just, you know, you wonder why you would want to be around her. But anyway, that's uh, that's the only time they've ever come back. And quite frankly, Chris, probably the only time they ever will come back. Yes. Um, So if you want to follow us on Twitter and uh, tell us how much you love this issue of Sugar and Spike, number 97, you can follow me at Reggie Reggie. Nominates Comics. And if you want to read that uh, Make Your Own Comics page that was filled out in Chris's comic book, you can actually see that for yourself on his blog. Chris Mm -hmm. is on infiniteearths.blogspot.com. He reviewed it last month. I'm pretty sure if you do a search for Sugar and Spike on your blog, that's all it's going to come up, right? Yeah, it's the only, <laughs> it's the only one I've ever seen. You know? Oh, just go to the Sugar and Spike tab and scroll down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Might take you a while because I really yes. go I really go in depth in the middle issues. So, yeah, that'll be, that's the only Sugar and Spike he's done. But you can look at some pages for yourself and some panels for yourself. As well we, as, we dare you to do better than this uh, child. Definitely, we will. We won't give you ten bucks, but if you have some submissions, definitely send them to us by Twitter or <laughs> email the podcast. And uh, I, besides that, I think that's it. You got anything else for him, Chris? Nope, that'll do it. Well, all right. Well, from both of us here at the Cosmic Treadmill, we're going to tell you to keep it cosmic. My buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy. Wherever I go, he goes. My buddy. My Teach him everything that I know, my 